Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We are so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. All right, all right, all right. How we going, family? We good? So good. Who's ready to do another psalm? I'm ready to do another psalm. Uh, and look, we're almost, we're almost done with them. We've done like six or seven. So I think that's, how many psalms are there? We must be getting close to having them all done by now. Oh, okay. All right. We've got a few to go. All right. That's okay. We've got, <laughs> and the rest. The Decade of Psalms. That's the message series we're in. The Decade of Psalms. And uh, yeah, look, I'm just been loving this deep dive. I hope you have been too. I hope it's been encouraging to you. And I, I want to start with some shout outs. I know Pastor Bex just did that. And uh, yeah, Josh and Trina, great to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, come on, can just everyone just reach your hands towards you guys. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in Palmerston North. We thank you that you, whom you have called, you are faithful. Father God, I thank you that you will complete the good work that you've started. I thank you that you have written it down, Lord, for these guys. Lord, I thank you that the days ahead of them are your called days, Father. I thank you that they are your chosen people. And I thank you that as you choose, you equip, Lord. And I thank you that they have been sent by you. So God, I pray right now for strength, for courage. I pray for clarity of vision. I pray for a real certainty and strength to be steadfast to the vision God has called you to. Not to look to the left or the right. Not to be anything else but who you're called to be. You are the flavor. God needs and who's called for a, such a time as this. God bless them, put the right people around them, surround them with great people to build your kingdom in Palmy and beyond. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen, amen. It's always a great place to start, amen. So good. And hey, I just want to give a shout out to Simon and, and Hayden, this amazing setup team. Both Alexa and I were uh, tardy in our arrival this morning and we got here and everything was completely done. Everything was completely done, ready to go. And not only that, but I love the extra mile. You know, I love when people take it an extra mile. Don't you love it when you people go above and beyond expectations? And I'm just looking at this slide behind me and that was Simon Arch's handiwork. Isn't that pretty cool? He just goes, have you got a message here? The notes are the thing and he just whips this stuff up. I appreciate you, Simon, going above and beyond, mate. It's really, really appreciated. And uh, yeah, come on, give them some encouragement. These guys are amazing. And uh, we couldn't do uh, what we do on Sundays without you. Uh, so, so good. And I love having Mr. Brett Reed in the house this morning. Uh, everyone, this is Brett. This is Alexa's husband. And it's so good to have you here this morning, mate. Love you guys. Thank you for, for you know, just the way that you guys release one another into ministry and church. And uh, we just really appreciate that. We honor you guys and honor you. And it's so good to have you here with us this morning, mate. Bless you. Awesome. So such a good one. All right, Psalm 32. It's already up there. Are you ready to go? Let's do it. This is, a, this is going to be a bit of a deep dive. I, 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 I'm just, this is all about forgiveness and repentance. And that sometimes might not sound like a very exciting or almost like you feel like you've got to brace yourself. Like dad's about to make me eat a plate of vegetables and I know it's good for me, but it's not the steak. You know, it's just like I've got to eat, I've got to eat the vegetables. Sometimes talking about stuff like repentance and forgiveness can feel like a plate of kale. Maybe to me. But I'm telling you, it's not. It's not. It's not. This is one of the most joyous things we can talk about. This is one of the greatest things we can talk about. 
Come on, I, uh, this, is the, this is the very, very thing that Jesus purchased for us on the cross, the thing that we cannot do for ourselves, the thing that we absolutely need lest we waste away, lest we rot away, lest we end up in Sheol, as David would say, or in, in the pit of hell if we don't have a way out of, uh, of, our, of our situation that sin puts us in. And so it's good news today that we talk about the fact that we can seek forgiveness, that we can find repentance through the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the essence of the good news of the gospel, and so we celebrate it today. But yes, hey, it's got to be a little bit of a time of contemplativeness, because I believe that's how David wrote this song, and yes, it is a song of David. Uh, let's start in verse 1. It says, this is a masculine of David. Blessing is the one whose transgression, sorry, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, and whose sin is covered. Okay, so verse 1, it says it's a masculine, and I've been loving understanding what these different songs uh, represent, I don't remember we did a, a, mis, a mishkar or whatever it was last time. This is now a, a, a maskil, and a maskil is, is uh, both something that you want to meditate on. It's instruction, so it's instruction, but instruction that you want to meditate on. And we're not talking about Eastern meditation when you empty your mind and empty yourself out. We're talking about biblical meditation where you allow the Word of God and the words of God to permeate your heart and do a transformational work in your life from the inside out. He's saying these are the things you need to be fixed on, focused on, thinking and allowing them to instruct your heart so that it can instruct your footsteps as you walk through life. This is a, a masculine of David and a meditative instruction. And, it's, and so it's got both of that. It's both got that moment of connecting the heart to it and the meditation and connecting your mind to it and the instruction. It's, it's encouraging us to come at it from both angles. Let's read it. He says, the Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man or woman against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whom spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged, sorry, I almost missed the word selah. Can't miss the word selah. Pause and reflect. Pause and reflect. Verse 5, it says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave my iniquity, for the iniquity of my sin. Selah. So here he's just like, stop, pause. Think about that. Verse 6, Therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they, sh they shall not reach him. Verse 7, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Another pause. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. I love this. So verse 1, it says, it's a masculine of David, and it says, blessed is the one whose transgression is covered. This word blessed here, it, it actually, it's actually like a double blessing. It's actually blessed, blessednesses. Blessednesses is actually probably the best English translation. It's double the joys, double, double the happiness. It's like a mountain of delight. 
And I've never understood, is it blessed or blessed? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Is it blessednesses a word? I don't know. But this is double. So those that would, those that would find forgiveness in God have a double blessing, have the greatest sense of joy, have the greatest sense of, of, of overwhelming delight. This is what forgiveness brings. So like what I said, it feels like sometimes we're eating a, a plate of vegetables when we talk about things like repentance and forgiveness. I'm telling you it's not. We're talking about the, one of the most blessed things we could do in our world. How blessed are we that we could be forgiven of our sins and that they are covered. I love this, covered. All right. All right. So the world is, is, is plural. And uh, if we go back to the scripture here, he says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Uh, and so I love this, if I scroll down here, uh, in the first two verses, David uses three words to describe sin. He uses the word transgression, he uses the word sin, and he uses the word iniquity, okay? So transgression is a crossing of the line. It's like, it's like defying authority. I've got five children uh, at home, and, uh, and I understand crossing of the line. Anyone can relate to crossing of the line? Uh, uh, who, anyone in here like, just likes to be the line crosser? I think I might have been a line crosser in, in my days. Uh, <laughs> you know, that would have been me as a kid, I, I, I'm probably pretty sure. Uh, the idea behind transgression is that, that there is a defined or, uh, rhythm of life, like this is how we ought to be, and we choose to go, nah, Stuff that I'm going to do what I know I ought not to do. I'm going to defy authority. The idea behind sin is to fall short and miss the mark. Who remembers our Arrow series, our Arrows message series? I want to, uh, again, shout out to our production team who are getting our messages uh, up on, on, online, uh, our podcast up. So it's on Spotify. It's probably an easy place to find it, as well as probably Apple Podcasts, all those sorts of places. But I bring that up to say that go back and listen to the Arrow series. You know, it's such an awesome trans. Uh, um, trans, what's the word I'm saying? Stepping through, <laughs> trans, I can't even think of the word, of, of, of talking about things like sin and talking about you trying to hit the mark that God's called you to hit, right? And so I just encourage you there. But the idea behind sin is that we miss the mark. It's an archery term. That's the original language. It comes from, so it's like I'm trying to hit the mark, but life causes me, things cause me to miss the mark that was set for me. That's what sin means. And the idea behind iniquity is of crookedness, or distortion. It's been distorted. And this is the whole, this is the whole narrative of, 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 of humanity. We see this stretching from Genesis through to now. We see God creating, creating, creating creation, creating what we know, and, and creating it as good, and inviting us into his creation out of the overflow of love he creates. And the, tri the triune God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son, they're there and they're creating and, and out overflows everything. And he says it is good. And he makes man in his own image and calls us very good. And then he pulls a woman from the man and uses ribs because, come on, how if you're going to make woman, make him out of ribs. Thank you, Jesus. And he makes, and he makes woman and, and, and there's a partner for, for Adam. And he's like, well, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And, and therefore, a husband should leave his parents and, 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 and cling hard, hard and be cleaved to his wife. It says, hold fast. I'm pretty sure that's where they get the hold fast glue thing. Like, you know, if you're going to name a glue, name it hold fast because that's what we're called to do in marriage. Hold fast. And what a great name for some glue company. I reckon that guy was, I reckon it was a Christian that created hold fast glue. I'm just saying, but... 
Anyway, and, 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 then, and then so everything's good, everything's in rhythm. Marriage was God's idea before the fall. We were called to be united together, and, and it's, it's such a good thing. And, and, then, and then sin. Sin entered the world. There was a mark, there was a line that was, was told not to cross, don't eat of this tree. There was, there was authority to say, don't do something. And there was a mark to hit, you can do anything else you want, just don't do this thing. And, 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 but then in comes distortion, in comes, in comes the serpent with his wily ways, and he comes to Adam and Eve, and he says, and he completely distorts, distorts the word of God, distorts the authority of God, distorts the, the call of God, and says, did God really say, did he really say that if you ate of this, you would die? He's telling you lies. It's not true. If you eat of this, you will be like God. And so they ate, and sin in Genesis 3, fractures the rhythm, distorts the plan, the rhythm of God's creation, and therefore sets in rhythm, sets in rhythm the necessity, and the crimson thread is called to the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus would come again as the second Adam and do what Adam could not do and die a death on the cross so that we could be free, that he would be the ultimate sacrifice. I'm kind of getting in my head of myself, but come on, thank you, Jesus. But there's a rhythm, there's an intention, there's a design that sin breaks. And in the first two verses, David uses three terms to describe what what God does to put away sin. Thank you, Lord. He describes what sin is, and he describes how he puts it away. The idea, he is forgiven. You are forgiven. You are covered. And he does not impute. All right? So forgiven is to lift off a burden or debt. Forgiven. If you have uh, a debt with a company and you walked uh, in, in fact, I had a debt with a friend. Let's make this personal. I had a debt with a friend. A friend let us uh, borrow some money to get a business started and let us, did a whole bunch of stuff for us, lots of little transactions over a period of time, and, uh, and we owed them some money. And uh, I, I picked him up one day. He said, I need a lift. I picked him up one day, and he said, hey, before we drive off anywhere, I just want to know, you know that money you owe me? It's, it's, it's gone. I'm wiping it. Don't have to pay me back. It's, 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 your debt is forgiven. Your debt is wiped clean. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Unbelievable. And that was uh, part of the process that actually helped us down to Wellington because that, I mean, by the time we got down to Wellington, we were completely debt-free and able to live in a house that was three times the rent we were paying up north and all the other things. You know how God just organizes and orchestrates stuff on the back of that debt being forgiven. That's amazing. Forgiveness is the lifting of a burden or a debt. The idea behind being covered is that, that of a sacrificial blood covering. So Jesus has covered. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus covers our sin, right? And so it's absolutely covered, washed clean, and, and, and God does no longer sees the sin. He sees the blood of Jesus covering your sin. Thank you, Lord. And the idea behind does not impute is bookkeeping. Thank you, Lord, for accountants. Hallelujah. Sarah, we need you. Matthew needs you. <laughs> we, need a good, we, need, we need good bookkeeping. Praise the Lord. It does not count against a person. He does not count it against you. He does not impute. He wipes the ledger clear. It's so, so good. Thank you, Lord. For when I keep silent, it goes in verse 3. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. I want to talk about the impact of sin. 
impact, impact of undealt with sin. Because here's my motivation for this message is that the, the great thing about, uh, about this is that there's a level playing field here, right? There's not one of us in this room that can walk, I, I don't think can walk through a day. <laughs> you know, if you can do a day, you're pretty awesome. And it talks about in Romans that we can be either a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin. And it's, it's, it's because it's, it's, it's stronger than, it's, it's, it's powerful stuff, right? Right? And so it's like, and, and the reason I know this is because just try not to sin. Just, just, just go a week, go, go a day without a thought or an action or a word that, is, you know, that's out, out of, that misses the mark in which God's intended for us. I'm talking about sheer impossibility, Right? And so my heart is this, is that we're in a level playing field, is that we, we absolutely all need the forgiving blood of Jesus Christ, and we need the cross of Christ, and we need the grace of God towards us. And, the, and that, is, that is available. This is the point. It's available. Like David starts off saying, you are so blessed that you have this available, that, your sins, that the righteous, your sins are covered. You're so blessed. Yet, yet, so it's available to us, like this amazing gift of, of God, of freedom and joy and, 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 and relationship. Yet, yet, isn't it interesting how we, all, we just carry the weight? We just carry the weight. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about, I'm not talking about forgiveness of people wronging you, although we could talk about that. I'm talking about just your own things between you and God. The stuff that, the, 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 the missing of the mark of our own lives that cause us, when it goes unchecked, to numb us. And as we get numb, we tend to withdraw. We lose our passion. We lose our apathy. And sin does that numbing work. Uh, uh, there's a uh, I can't remember the insect, but anyway, it, it numbs, it numbs, I think I might even, don't know, I'll probably get it wrong, <laughs> but there's an insect that numbs and bites and then does its work, and the host is completely unaware of it, yeah. right? And, and, and so this is what sin does, it just numbs us, degree by degree by degree, until we're in a position where we never thought that, we'd, that that would lead to that, but it does, right? And then destruction happens, destruction happens, and so... I'm here today because I believe that we need to uh, make sure that we're living out of a habit of repentance. I love when Martin Luther nailed the, his 99th thesis to the Wittenberg door. He had the very, number, the very first line that said that the Christian life is a life of repentance. And you see, back in those days, it was the church that governed, that sort of, that had this sort of system of you come to the church and you pay uh, I can't remember, as a penance, or you paid something, I can't remember, to, to receive blessings for you and for other people in your family, or forgiveness. And he's like, no, 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 no. A Christian's life, is everyone's life is one of forgiveness, and you can get forgiveness direct to God. You don't need a mediator on earth to stand between you and God. And so a whole life, a whole life is repentance, and it's not a whipping. It's not on my knees. I'm such a bad person. I'm so bad. I I can never get it right. It's it's actually understanding that as we miss the mark, that numbing can take place. And the last thing I want is for my life to start, my relationship with God to start to slip to a point where I don't even know where it is anymore. And we can get there, can't we? We can get to a place where it's like where you start to, first you start to grope and, 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 and struggle to find Him, and then you don't even start to grope anymore. Right? And so it says here, it says here that when I kept silent, when, I, when repentance fell from my lips, when I no longer felt the, 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 the pull and the conviction of the Holy Spirit leading me to a place of life through repentance, it says that when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
And, uh, and I can just you feel the, the situation with David going, and he knows, right? Uh, this, this Psalm 32, and there's another one where the, the, the theologians believe he, he, he's, because this is, this, by the way, I didn't say, but this is written for the dedication of the temple that he was building, but his son actually finished. Solomon finished it. But this was a, 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 a psalm, a song written for the dedication of the temple, all right? And that's, that's, that's important because he's talking about in this moment that, that he, was, he remembers the mistakes and the errors and the sin that he committed, and he had some doozies. I don't know what you've done in your world, but unless you've had a man killed and slept with his wife, you know, this guy knows what he's talking about, right? He's, and he said, well, when I kept silent, when I did nothing about it, and I thought I could just like hide it, cover it, kick it under the rug, and do nothing about it, I wasted away in my bones. I wonder how much even, uh, and uh, I know this is careful, uh, it's anecdotal, I'm just wondering, I'm wondering how much of actually physical things going on in our body is attributed to spiritual weight and sin that we carry. I just wonder that connection, do you? I wonder that connection. I acknowledge my sin, he says in verse 5, oh sorry, verse 4, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. I love this. I love this. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. So everything that God does, God does because he loves you, right? God, God, and I think sometimes we can read and, and misunderstand God as being, it's just, it's been mean, right? And he says, right now, I, I, I kept silent and I, and I felt like my life was wasting away and, and your hand was heavy upon me. And one, the, one theologian, I think it was actually Spurgeon, says, the hand of God, when God uplifts you, it's the most beautiful thing. It's amazing, but when God's hand comes heavy on you, it's worse than Atlas carrying the world on his shoulders. He's talking about the Greek titan, you know, the, the, the Greek you know, from Greek mythology, Atlas, who had, you know, had to carry the whole world on his shoulders. He's like, when God's hand comes down on you like that, it's heavier than the earth. And it's like, and so God's like, I'm, I'm pressing down so that you would, you would understand that what you, what you have on you is actually leading you to destruction. I love you, my child, so I'm praying down my weight on you so that you would not feel like you can carry on this way. Yeah. And so... The weight of God coming down on David, and he just had this sense. And isn't it, isn't it so true that sin is like weight? And uh, again, talking about podcasts, we did that, Stones and Vines. Who remembers seeing Simon Archer running up and down with rocks in his backpack in the town hall? Anyone remember that message? I know Simon remembers that message. <laughs> uh, they were pretty, I've got river stones, but I think I've got like, these, they're like probably like five kilos each, and I put like seven in the pack, and then I asked him to run in his jandals up and down the church, with this, in my, in a, anyway, and there was all these words written on these rocks, but it came from Hebrews 12, that message, let me read you Hebrews 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by, greater, uh, by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, so if you've got this weight situation, you can't run, you can't run, you're exhausted, you're exhausted just trying to carry on like this guy Atlas with the weight of the world on you. That's what sin does. It's like rocks in a backpack. I told the story of some friends, hunting friends of mine, their brothers, twin brothers and an older brother, great guys, and they always prank each other. And so one of the great pranks they'll do is they would, um, they would slip a, a river stone or a rock into one of their packs right before they go for like a big hike into the bush. And it's not so they're like, man, it's not so they get to unpack their stuff. They've got like, this rock is like, just mean, eh? So mean, but so good. And, uh, you know, and it's like, why, why would you carry that? Like, why, why, why? It's one thing to not know and it'd be a prank, but it's another thing when you know. Like David knows. He says, I kept silent. 
I, I, I knew that I was struggling with this weight on my life, but I kept silent. I did nothing about it. And your hand on me was like, wait on me. And then, and, and then his, what it does is it makes you withdraw from the life-giving relationship you're called into. That was the thing that sin did. I said it fractured. But, and, and, this is what, and this is the whole plight, right? The fracturing is the fracturing of a relationship with God. Jesus came to put that right. Sin, so why, God, why, why we talk so much about sin is it's not because we're trying to be good, do goodies and, and, and oh, we're, you know, we, we don't, you know, out, we're forgiven and all this kind of like self-righteous kind of dribble that a lot of people out there think of us in here, think that that's what we think, right? You know, and that's not true at all. The reason that we're so hot on it is because it breaks relationship with God. It separates. The sin is a separator. Whereas God is a, when Jesus is a reconciler, God is a redeemer, sin is a separator. And so we can carry things in our world that are natural separators from the relationship that we're called into. And it's, and, and it's weight. So I love this in verse 5. It says, so I acknowledge my sin to you. And I did not cover my, I did not cover my next I didn't sweep it under the rug. I, I didn't do that. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. This is so good. So he, he understands now that he confessed to God. And, 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 he, and he, found, he found forgiveness. But here's the thing. I love the fact that he's acknowledging. That, and, he, and, and the reason, I, this, this is so cool about David, right? He's writing this as a song at the dedication of the temple, which God, as part of God's judgment on him for his sin, he said, God said, you will no longer be the one that completes my temple because you have the blood of a man on your hands. Your son's going to do it. So talk about not sweeping under the rug. David's like, right. Amen. I understand. And I'm going to write a song (laughs) about the fact that I didn't sweep it under the rug. And I want everyone to sing of the forgiveness of God against my iniquity that while I kept it inside me, rotted my bones, but when I found freedom, I found the blessed life. And even though I can't even open or finish this, this temple, I want this to be sung. Isn't David pretty cool? Can we learn something from this guy? Why God says he has a heart after me? Amazing. The Bible says, confess your sin to one another. <laughs> I mean, we have trouble confessing it to God, even though he already knows. Like, you know, it's like, that's hard enough. Like, uh, hey, you got a minute? You know, like, you know, like, there are so many things that unconfessed sin blocks and stops. I think I'm, did I have a list? Maybe I didn't. I thought I made a list. I didn't. It's Okay. But it, uh, there's so many things that it blocks and stops, but forgiveness unlocks so many things. So many things. Anyway, where was I? Let's carry on. Verse 6, Therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Ooh. Surely in the rush of the great waters there shall, you shall not reach him. This is that numbing thing, eh? I, I, I'm, I'm a... I'm a fan of Brene Brown's TED Talk, and I, I, I've got her book. I don't believe, maybe she's a believer, I don't know. I, so this is not the Christian material. But all good things come from God above, right? All good things. But I love, I love uh, she's talking about, um, about shame. Her whole TED Talk was about shame, and how she was trying to find how, there's, a, there's some people that um, had what they call excruciating shame. 
So it was like, for it to be exposed was painful. And there was those that wore shame like a badge and they had these like life-giving relationships, not shame like a badge, but the, oh, sorry, the same things that caused some people excruciating shame. On the other hand, these people, they were able to sort of work with it and, and live with it and understand it, accept it and embrace it, uh, were able to have like these, anyway, so she had this like, what was the difference going on here? And so she talked about uh, people that carry shame and, and how it's connected to depression. But the point I'm getting is she talks about how we can numb our lives to deal with things, right? And the numbing process, like, and so we numb ourselves with social media and we numb ourselves with substances, whether it be caffeine or alcohol or something harder than that. And we, we numb ourselves with, uh, you know, we just, we, and we withdraw. And we withdraw. And so uh, I love here, and so this, this numbing process, we've got to be so careful that we don't get to a point. On, on the movie Saving Private Ryan, anyone seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? It's a, it's a very, uh, you know, <laughs> accurate and bloody account of the D-Day landings in Normandy. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. But there's a scene at the start where they land on the beach, and the, these massive boats, metal boats, and the door goes down and everyone's trying to run out while these machine guns from the high places just like just take, tearing, tearing these young men apart and they, they get to the beach and they're, they're trying to find cover and just trying to survive this crazy landing and there are two types of people that you saw on the beach, two types of emotions. You saw emotionless people, completely unaware and you saw people freaking out for their lives. The difference is one was dead and one was still alive. That was the difference. We're going to be so careful that we don't get to a point of num- where we get so numbed by the stuff that we don't even acknowledge it anymore. We don't, we're just not, not even aware of it. We we've lost any sense of conviction anymore, and we can just sit uncaring in an atmosphere where God's kind of pulling us, and we're like, mm, no, I'm just like that dead person on the beach, like no emotion, you know. I think one of the cool things is our wrestle with it, our struggle with it, is, is, the sa- is, is like the saving grace of God, right? The fact that you wrestle, the fact that you struggle, the fact that you're trying to, it's, it's like God saying, you're still alive. <laughs> you're still alive. You still, you still feel the presence of God. There's still a, a leaning and desire. And, and so we've got to remember, while you still can be found, because there, there comes a point where the numbness takes over and, some might say the word backslidden or walked away or whatever it might be, but we, I'm sure in this room we know people that used to be in a room like this. In a room like this. And, I'm a, and there's a whole multitude of reasons why they might not be anymore, but this is definitely one of them. Left unchecked. While you still are like that person on the beach kicking, hoping that bullet doesn't take you out, trying to get to the get to the point where you can rally and, and take the victory, may you find him when he can still be found. Will you still have a desire? Verse 7, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Thank you, Lord. Eight, I will instruct you and teach you. And the way you should go, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Thank you, Lord. And verse 9, and you guys, if you've got that track, you can hit that now. It'll be great. Verse 9, it says this. And of course, man, I can't go too many messages without talking about horses, can I? Come on. Come on. Horses. Hallelujah. Verse 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed, controlled with a bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. 
2004, I'm in San Diego, shipwrecked my life. And I had a bitten bridle moment. Oh, I'm so, gra- I'm so glad that God sometimes go, I'm not letting you go this way anymore. I'm yanking on the reins. I love you too much to let you carry on and that there's, <laughs> there is a destruction ahead. I'm yanking the reins. And I had a yank the reins moment. Anyone else had a yank the reins moment where it looks like your world's falling apart, but actually God's just setting you up to put it all back together again, you know? Setting you up. I had a, I had a, I had a bit and bridle moment. I'm so grateful for that. But that's not, the, that's not the relationship God's longing for with you and for with me. Now, God will intervene sometimes. He will. It's, it's, it's God's grace that he'll, He will sometimes let things blow up. He'll let you be found out. He'll let that thing come to the surface. It's His grace and love for us. But that's not optimal. Because we've got to be so careful that we don't end up with worldly remorse versus godly repentance. Where worldly remorse actually revolves around you, your shame, and how you feel, and how you feel stink, and you've been caught, and blah, 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 blah. And actually just revolves around you, whereas godly repentance revolves around Him. It revolves around the fact that you long to be close to Him, and you long to honor His holiness and His character. And you want your life to reflect the goodness that He's bestowed and pushed towards you in any way you possibly can. And whilst we can never, ever repay, nor do we need to repay, we want to. We want to. We want to. Be not like a horse with a bit and a bridle. Has anyone seen the movie War Horse? There's a lot of movies going on in this movie. The Horse Movie, Steven Spielberg movie. I highly recommend this movie. War Horse, another war movie. And the father has a son who's coming of age. Must be, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 sort of age. The father's a bit of a drunk. They own a farm. They, they own the landlord money. If they don't pay, they're going to be booted out. He has some money, 30 odd dollars, to go down and buy a horse. And he knows what he needs. He needs like a Clydesdale or something that can pull the plow through the, and, and break up the fellow ground because it's a rocky ground. He needs to plant the fields for the landlord so that they can carry on living where they live. And he gets down there, there's this smug, rich guy. And there's this beautiful stallion that gets put up for auction. And the, this father just goes, oh, that's a beautiful horse. And this rich guy like mocks him, like, you couldn't do anything with a horse like that. So he's like, I'll bid for, he starts this bidding war with this rich guy. He ends up <laughs> spending all his money on this racehorse. <laughs> like, you know, he takes it home and his wife's frustrated. I'm telling you the whole movie, so you don't have to watch it. Saving, saving you two hours of your life now. But the horse is so stubborn and, un, and like just, it's a, just a thoroughbred stallion, but it's just like, it's not trained, it's not broken in. And the dad's just like frustrated. He's made a big mistake. He let his, he let his hot head go and, and now he's frustrated. And the son, the son tries to build trust with his horse. And he tried to feed the horse, but the horse would freak out. So in the end, he put the food in a pot and he just starts backing up to the horse like this, slowly. And then finally the horse would eat. And then he'd turn around. And the horse would eat. Then he'd let him touch him. 
and the, and the horse would trust. And, and they build this beautiful relationship. And the movie goes on about this relationship with this boy and this horse. I'm just telling you, man, this is the whole thing. Whatever wronged this horse that caused it to be skittish and afraid, this person just wants closeness. Just wants to come close. Just wants to be able to be in a relationship. God has great things for you and for me. And you've got to see sin as this thing. You've got to almost embody, embody it, personify it. It's just, it's just trying to rob from you, trying to take from you, trying to steal from you, trying to hold you down, trying to keep weight on you. Hebrews says entangle you. I've, I, I, I like to do a bit of hunting and tramping. There's a, there's supple jack in the bush. You know, I had some fights with some supple jack. You get all entangled up in that stuff, and it's just like horrendous. Well, sin wants to entangle your life, slow you down, slow your momentum. You're called. You're called by God to make an eternal difference in this world. Come on. You're called. Don't let this thing be a weight that holds you back, wears you out, dries your bones, and causes you to be numb from God. Just come on. Come on, church. Why don't we stand this morning?